Hi everyone, I'm Elizabeth Stein, founder and CEO of Purely Elizabeth, and this is Live Purely with Elizabeth, featuring candid conversations about how to thrive on your wellness journey. Today's guest is Gwen Dittmar. Gwen is a coach, energy healer, and breathwork guide offering practical and holistic soul medicine for life transformation. She has a master's in spiritual psychology, is a Reiki master, a certified teacher of David Elliott Breathwork, and is currently studying and mentoring in shamanism. In this episode, we chat about Gwen's mission for helping people find their passion and purpose, as well as her North Star for helping people truly live their authentic selves. We talk about all the wellness tools that she uses with clients and coaching, like breathwork, meditation, and human design. Gwen shares her favorite types of breathwork and when to use each kind. Keep listening to hear all about Gwen and her amazing healing energy. Gwen, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. It's such a pleasure to see you and have you on today. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. So we are recording this on a Friday and it's a full moon. So I feel like this is pretty special having you. And I know personally on this Friday, I'm feeling like I need your calming energy. So this is personally wonderful. It's a, it's a powerful, it's a good, it's a good full moon tonight. You know, it's a full moon in Aquarius and we are, we're having these energies of like the divine feminine and also the masculine of Leo of sun. So it's really about balancing these energies within us, which I think we're always doing, right? We're especially as modern men and women, we're really learning how to hold both of those ways of being inside of ourselves. Wonderful. This is super special from that standpoint then. So at Purely Elizabeth, our North Star and our mission is really helping our community thrive on their wellness journey. And I know your wellness journey really started at a young age. So I would love for you to take us back and really talk through where your wellness journey began and how that has led you now to become a coach and a healer and where you are today. That's a good question. I think always as a little girl, I felt like I could see people, like I could understand people. I oftentimes didn't realize what it was, but I was having visions and awarenesses about people and maybe things that were going to happen. And I would say as I got older, when I was a teenager and a young adult, I was really sick for a period of time. They couldn't figure out what was going on. And then finally, I did receive a diagnosis and I really struggled for several years with being sick, feeling sick. And all I wanted to do was just be normal. And I remember saying to my parents, I'm going to go through this and I'm going to get to the other side of this so that I can help other people. So I think I always had this drive inside this motivation to help people. And then I went into research. I was working at University of Pennsylvania in hopes to become a PhD professor and a therapist and help people in that realm. And I met this amazing doctor and and she said, don't go that route, go into pharmaceutical biotech research. And so I did a little bit of a sidetrack and went off on another path, but for about four years, and then eventually I came back and I was introduced to a master's program and in spiritual psychology. And that was what really brought me back 
into my deep calling. It was very spiritual. It was highly experiential. And it was also very practical. So everything that we were learning was applied into our life. And then we got to reflect on it and share about it. And it was this feeling of, gosh, I feel like I finally found home. Not only was it there, but it was also I was finding home inside of myself. I was answering a lot of these big questions that I think I always had, but never really formulated into who am I? What am I doing here? What am I supposed to be doing? What's my purpose? And how can I do that and provide for myself? And all those tools allowed me to answer those questions and to start sharing that way of being with other people. Because I could sense that was something I always had as a little girl, sensing what other people were feeling. We call it now empathic or highly sensitive person. In human design, we call it having an open solar plexus. And that kind of led me into this path. For, for a while, I did coaching, but I didn't know that's what I was doing. But I remember feeling when I would be having these deep conversations, like helping people release a lot of the things they were holding on to so that they could move forward, feeling like this is why I am here on this earth at this time to do this type of work. And I did that in both ways. I was I was still a little bit hesitant to leave my consulting career where I made decent money and had worked really hard in that career to get to a certain point. So it took a little while for me to take that leap. It took about 10 years before going full time, but I did do both. I did the pharmaceutical and biotech consulting and also the coaching and the healing work for about 10 years. So that's what led me onto this path. I think my own experience of being unwell and wanting to get well and wanting to help other people so that they didn't have to feel unwell. That's amazing that you knew from such a young age that you had, that you felt that passion and then to ultimately be able to have the training and really know like, this is what I am truly meant to do. I feel like you're so lucky. There's so many people who don't ever find that piece of what they're truly meant to do in this world. Yes. And that's one of my missions. That's one of my North Stars is to support as many people in discovering that. And I think sometimes that I find with purpose, right? People are like, what's my purpose? What am I doing here? And human design has really brought in like a beautiful lens for that. Also for me is that sometimes our work is not like our purpose, right? Sometimes people realize through working together that their purpose is really to be a loving a kind, a compassionate, forgiving, with healthy boundaries person. And that's like their mission. And so whether they do that through their work, whether they do that through a work that feels like what they were here to do, whether they do that with family and friends, I think that's what a lot of us are looking for right mm -hmm. now. Can you talk a little bit about what human design is? Yes. Human design is a system, I would say, that encompasses quantum physics, astrology, the I Ching, the Kabbalah, the chakra system, astrology. And it was downloaded by somebody by the name of uh, Ra Uruku in 1987. And then he started sharing about it. And of course, it's taken on a lot of different threads based on who's studying it, who's sharing it. And really what I love about it is a lot of the things that I would always sense about people 
are showing up in their human design, right? So you use your birth date and time and location, and you get this free image, this screenshot of what your nine energy centers in your body look like. What's your type? What's your profile? What's your authority? What's your strategy for making decisions? Again, it's some of it is just it's when people read it or they receive it, it's like a validation right, of who they felt they already have been. And some people also have an experience of it's different than who they thought they were. And that shows us where we've received a lot of conditioning, right, through our childhood, through society, through maybe our culture or like the lens that we live through and how to also decondition those things so that we can come into alignment of who we are. So it feels like Human design really aligns with a lot of the tools that I learned in that master's in spiritual psychology, a lot of the tools that I've learned through different coaching and through breath work. And what I like about it is it gives people information in in a black and white, (laughs) a very clear, it's not energetic, it's not woo-woo, and it, it, it really validates what a lot of people have felt about themselves, but maybe felt like it wasn't okay to be that way because that's not what society tells us that we're supposed to be. For instance, there's something else in human design that's called motivation. And my motivation is to help. Very fitting. <laughs> like as a child, I was always motivated by how can I use this to help people? How can I use this to help somebody? How can I use this to help myself and then others, right? Other people have a motivation of, let's say, pleasure. Other people have a motivation of fear. So let's say, for instance, I have a client who is a physician and their partner is a physician also. And so they have different motivations. One of the motivations is desire and the other person's motivation is fear. And so even just being able to hear that, fear really is a, it's an extreme word that they use in human design. It really just means that you're able to look through the lens of what could go wrong and like, what do we need to plan for? And she was always feeling like her partner was just fear-driven or fear-based. Like, why do they always see through that lens? Well, there it was, right? Yeah in the human design, in their motivation. And that's their perspective. That's what motivates them. That's what they're here for. So instead of judging that as wrong or bad or just be positive or don't think that way or don't be motivated by that, it's no, learn how to honor that. Honor who you are. Honor that unique energy you have. And then as soon as like that, these two individuals were able to come into that partnership in a new way, to see that this was a gift that the other person was coming with. And, oh, okay, oh, this is great, actually. Now we can actually have some preparation for what might go on. So I find that the human design really, it like validates a lot of the things that I had always sensed, and it gives a lot of other people that experience, and it allows us to be who we are, which is like another one of my missions, is just to really help people be who they are. Because when you're who you are, you're not in resistance, you're not in suffering, you have so much more energy, and that adds to the energy on the planet. Absolutely. So when we were chatting right before we started recording and talking about how you could come in and help our office and doing something like human design, I think would sound like that would be a great thing as colleagues and coworkers to really understand how 
each other work. So is that work that you do with companies then? Yes. And it's really powerful when individuals on teams can see, oh, Joe isn't like negative Nelly. Like he's just to see when he's motivated through a different lens and another person, the same thing. And when you can also learn how each of your energy centers play with each other, what your gifts are that you bring to the team and what maybe you're you're not really here to do and how somebody else that maybe does have that gift can step forward and bring that forward so that they can be themselves. So that is why I love it. That's so cool. Yeah, it's so great. It's fun too. It's really fun. And I think it also, it just relaxes people. Yeah, so they don't feel like they have to be something that they're not. They get to just be who they are. Just imagine like how freeing that is, even in your workplace, in your family, just gives this degree of understanding and compassion. So as you think about some of the common threads of people who individually or as a group come in and see you, what would you say are those common themes that you see for the work that you do and really the benefits that I guess people are seeking by doing the work that you do? I would definitely say high achievers, individuals that have really been on this trajectory of what they want to create in their life. And sometimes in the form of like doctor or lawyer or accountant or executive workers in companies, coaches, healers, other entrepreneurs, really individuals who usually have a plan or had a plan and they ask themselves, wait a second. I'm still not feeling the way that I thought that I was going to feel and asking themselves questions like, who am I? What am I doing here? What is my purpose? How can I provide for myself and be in my purpose? I would say that tends to be a lot of the clients that I work with. And what's so fun about that is that my philosophy for coaching is a little bit different than traditional line coaching, which I would say is more, let's say, goal-oriented of I'm here and I want to move out of there into something that I want. And how can I be in a way that I, I can create that? And I think that's wonderful. And I also feel that really, like you are who you are. There's magic to who you are. You don't have to become somebody different. I think more of the work that I do with individuals is taking out all of the things, all of the layers, all of the patterns, all the conditioning and programming that that they've taken on to be something that they're not so that they can actually just arrive into that place of who they want to be and where they want to be because that's who they are, right? A lot of times like our vision or our ideal scene is really our intuition, just knowing where we're going to be. It's just a matter of supporting ourselves and getting there. So a lot of times individuals have a goal or something they want. And we all move through these stages of challenge, upset, trigger that push us into transformation, that push us then into, after we move through the transformation into this liminal space, into this void, where we're not who we used to be, but we're not who we really truly are at our core. And so I find at each of those stages, it can be helpful to have somebody that's guiding you that can see from a, a neutral perspective. Because sometimes we get stuck in our own myopic vision of how we see ourselves or what we're moving through. And so it's like how to not regress 
you know, out of the liminal space, how to regress back into, you know, or to regress when we're in the transformation or in the upset so that we can move through that spiral. And then we just continue to move through spirals. If someone has set the intention to, to seek or to live a life of consciousness, you're going to continually move through that spiral. So to me, it's like the spiral as we move through each layer of the spiral, we go deeper and deeper into the truth of who we are. I also tend to work with a lot of individuals that might have maybe trauma underneath of a lot of that high achieving. A lot of times that's a coping mechanism to bypass that discomfort or the wound. And sometimes individuals that might have struggles with either health or patterns that may not be helpful for them or healthy for them that have tried, I would say, therapy. I love therapy. I I do tend to have that as a common theme. They'll say, I, I did therapy for a period of time and it was like really helpful. And now I'm ready for this next level. So people that are looking for that upgrade in, in energy or upgrade and up level in, in how they live their life, how they express themselves in their lives. Definitely spiritual seekers, individuals who are, you know, interested in health and wellness. Those would say, I would say are the, the common themes. <laughs> so I know that you have a lot of tools that you use when working with clients. How we first met was at Revitalize the Mind Body Green retreat. I guess it was almost two years ago now. And you led us through a breathwork session. And it was really my first time doing a session like that. And it was so powerful. I was there with one of my closest friends. And I just remember that she burst out into tears in the middle of the session. And I know now hearing other people who have very similar experiences, just how powerful this breath work can be. And so I just thought it was amazing. And really that's why I've continued to want to stay in touch with you and share all about your practice. So let's start, I guess, with breath work before going into some of the other tools. But if you could just talk a little bit about a, how you got into breathwork from the other modalities you were doing, and then, you know, why breathwork? Like, what is so amazing about it? Breathwork came to me at a time in my life where I was, re- I was ready for one of those up levels, for one of those upgrades. I had been praying for it. I went to a class. I had a huge opening, I had a very visceral experience like your friend. There were a lot of tears. There was a lot of downloads. There were a lot of visions about maybe past experiences, whether people believe that or to be true or not. It, it felt very real and it started to put a lot of connections together for me that I had done a lot of work with myself to that up until that point. I, you know, I had a long time meditation and yoga practice, kundalini, the masters like coaching and doing all types of healing. I really thought I'm solid. I got this down. <laughs> like I'm going to go to this breath work class and just breathe and, and then go home. I, I, it really opened and activated and awakened something very deep inside of me that I had you ever done breath work aside from you know in a yoga class or something like that just yoga type of breathing I mean I had done coherent breathing and I had heard about some I'd heard about the box breath prior to that but no not that type of breath work healing and I immediately was 
signing up, getting trained, sharing with others. It was very powerful. I What I realized for that first experience was that I had done a lot of work emotionally and a lot of work mentally and even a lot of work physically because I'm physically active. I've done a lot of marathons, triathlons, dancing and swimming. But I realized through that first time how much things still remain in the body. Even if I processed them, even if I let them go and I had forgiven, there was a lot of energy that was just still held in different places in my body. And even things held from, I feel, my my ancestors and their experiences, I really felt that and then it was real. So for me, breath work is just this wonderful, it became this wonderful addition to the existing work that I have been doing with clients. Because it was this question I always ask myself of like, why do certain things keep coming up? Sometimes things keep coming up because it's just what our our soul, you know, incarnated into to learn. It's like the line that we came to learn through. And sometimes it's because it is still held in the body. So while the conscious and the, we may even do unconscious work and emotional work, the physical body is still holding on to that experience. And then since then, I've read other books like Your Body Keeps the Score and It Didn't Start With You. And there's been this beautiful opening of that that's accurate, that our body does hold on. And so I feel breathwork allows us to, to bypass the mind, which so many people are seeking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And going to plant ceremonies and doing lots of other stuff to to just get out of the head and to come into their body, come into their heart, come into the wisdom that that resides within them. And breathwork really gives that experience in a very deep and like connected way, body way. Before we get in a little bit more to breathwork, just as you're talking about the mind and that piece of it, how is breathwork, how does it really differ differ from meditation and that sort of practice and benefits, I guess. I mean, my, my philosophy is that meditation is a wonderful tool to help us witness our thoughts, like mm-hmm. aware of our thinking. You know, a lot of people go into meditation hoping that it's going to quiet the thoughts. I think long-term it does, but in initially most people that I've worked with as a coach and healer, they don't want to continue meditating because it just, they, it's even louder. Yeah. They realize how loud the mind is. And there is a benefit to that of learning, oh, wow, this thought just came up. I can choose to get in that car of that thought and go down the street and I will probably go into a neighborhood that's not, not aligned for me. Or I can choose not to get in that car and I can let that thought go. However, if somebody is very anxious, very depressed, very stressed, very overwhelmed, and I would say activated in a not aligned way, it's very hard to meditate because your body is so activated, your mind is so activated, your emotional self, that meditation is not that active. It's like a calmer frequency. So I find breath work to match. It matches that energy of the overwhelm, of the anxiety, of the stress or the depression such that you can meet yourself there 
And then you can start to bring yourself down into a different or up, I guess, to a different state of consciousness, more of a true self, like a higher self um, and a preserver self consciousness. So I think meditation is great. I meditate every day. I saw one of your curiosities was like, do you meditate? Do you have a, a practice? And again, I meditate every day. I also do breath work, not every day, but often. Some form of breath work often because I do. I want to be aware of my thinking and I want to learn how to create even more space between a stimulating thought and my response. And I want to be able to, if there's something that comes up that triggers me, I want to be able to work my process, which is the thing that, you know, I do in my coaching. That's like the process so that I don't have to get in that car and go into a place that's not going to be good for me. I can make a different choice. And if it's a thought that's offering healing for me, I can go into the healing so that I can come out on the other side and have a different way of being with myself and others. Breath work is more active and it allows us to to reach ourselves and our heart in a, in, a, in a different way. And that active breathing, it's also very helpful, I find, for high achievers and for go-getters because it gives you something to do. It gives your executive functioning of your brain something to focus on. And then you are able to drop into that deeper state of consciousness. There's so many different types of breath work. As you mentioned at the beginning, like you had only done yoga breathing. And so that's one type of breath work. What are your main go-tos that you have been trained on and recommend and like why one type of breath work to do versus another? Yes. So on that spectrum of, let's say, stress and anxiety and maybe on the other end of the spectrum is more like anger, sadness, loneliness, like living in the past. I would say like more of an anxiety sensation inside of myself or worry doing the box breath is a really great tool to be able to use in a moment because it keeps the nervous system calm, but it also brings awareness and focus to the mind. That's the Navy SEAL breath work. So you just breathe in for four, you hold for four, you exhale for four, and then you hold for four. So that's why it's called the box breath. And what I find is that's really powerful in, again, like calming down your nervous system, but allowing yourself to have some of that focus. And then there's also another type of breath work that's called coherent breathing, and that's five, five. So you breathe in for five and you exhale for five. There's a lot of really great research out there. I find that is wonderful when myself or individuals are more in that like lonely or feeling isolated or I use the word depressed, but it can be a loaded word because there is a chemical and an actual diagnosis. And then there's also, you know, we can feel just isolated, lonely, sad, like bluesy. And then sometimes just four, seven, eight, the relaxing breath is a really great breath work to do just throughout the day, especially if you feel like you have a chaotic or you have a lot of meetings, there's running back and forth like with children. That's great breath work to do because you're breathing in for four and you're holding for seven and then you're exhaling for eight. I find that also really helpful if your your mind is very active because what you're doing spiritually, energetically is you're taking in less than we normally do. And you're really being conscious of what you're taking it over the count of four. Then you're giving space for those seven seconds 
sometimes my little addition that I do even to the four, seven, eight is I imagine that seven second inhale, just scanning up all of my chakras, the seven chakras. And then as I exhale over the count of eight, you're exhaling more than what you took in, right? So you only took in four, so you're doubling the exhale. And sometimes that in and of itself can be a very helpful breath work too, of just breathing in for four and exhaling for eight. But I do like that pause for seven seconds because you're teaching the body how to do that pause. You're teaching like your nervous system. So your mind, body, heart start to come into coherence versus just thinking, I'm going to be present. I'm going to be present. It, It teaches your body how to become present. So I do like those. And then I utilize the breath work healing often. I do use that often. Sometimes I'll do a 30-day commitment if I know that I'm moving into something big, right? Like an up-level or an upgrade. Sometimes I'll do it if I know I'm moving through a challenging time in my life or just doing a regular practice like twice a month, four times a month, once a week can be really supportive. Well, I think the amazing thing about breathwork is just that you don't need anything and you can be anywhere. Like you can be sitting in a meeting and be anxious and quite frankly, no one has to know or don't have to close your eyes and be meditating or running, training for a marathon. So it is really approachable. I will say I've been doing, knowing that you were coming on in the last couple of weeks, I kept being like, I need to do more breath work. And so I, especially at night or times when I'm waking up in the middle of the night and trying to like get myself back to sleep, which I'm sure we all do. I've been doing four, seven, eight. So is that the right breath work or is there, should you be doing something else at that time of of day? That's great. That'll start to calm, calm your system. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting, according to like Ayurvedic medicine, there's different times when we wake up at different times in the middle of the night and also Chinese medicine. It's it's usually like an indication that something's going on and maybe one of the organs or just like either stagnation or an excess of heat or, you know, dampness. So that can be powerful, too, to look at what time of the night someone is waking up. That's something that I do with some of my clients. So call it 2 a.m. is usually my time. Yeah. So I think in Chinese medicine, around 2 a.m. can can be the liver and there can just be some like excess energy in the liver. And then I believe in Ayurveda, two o'clock. I think that's still kapha. I don't know if anybody is, who's listening knows about their doshas, but that, that I think is still kapha time. I believe vata time starts around 3 a.m., which is why think about it. If like monks or in Kundalini yoga, the ideal time to do your morning in Kriya is 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. Because you're in that Vata dosha and the Vata mm-hmm. is all about air, right? So if we think about air connects us into the cosmos, it connects us into the universe. So when we're meditating or chanting at that time, we like really open ourselves up. So maybe some liver support. I don't know. You could seek out a doctor, right? They would probably have good feedback. But I do find it to be accurate when I can track what time I'm waking up. It's so interesting. I love all this stuff. So as you think about the breathwork practice that you use with clients and that being one of the tools in your kind of wellness kit, what are some of the other 
things that you turn to in addition to meditation? And I guess both for you personally and then as you use with clients. I have a pretty big toolbox. (laughs) So you feel it really depends on the individual. So I would say but go-tos that tend to work well are obviously like someone's coaching with me. I really have them look at all their levels of consciousness and how they're engaging with themselves and relating to themselves. So your mental level of consciousness are things like, how are you engaging your mind? Is it through meditation? Is it through journaling? Is it through like conscious writing, like allowing your mind to dump through freeform writing? Freeform writing is really when you just let stream of consciousness come out, definitely with pen and a piece of paper, not a computer, <laughs> because your, your hand is an extension of your heart. So when people have a lot of things that are heavy in their heart or maybe even worried, being able to channel that cathartically out through the body and then never reading your freeform writing, don't read it back because it's like you're never expelling that energy. You don't want to put that back in. Also, burning it can be really um, powerful to watch that old energy turn to ash and to be transformed by fire. I also use a lot of the emotional tools in my coaching. So doing inner child work, looking at misbeliefs and and self-forgiveness, updating our beliefs into ones that are really of service to us now, not based on something we experienced in the past. And how to talk with different aspects of ourselves. Like these are some of the things that I shared a lot of the group coaching and I'm going to share in the upcoming training. Because when we can learn who, you know, I always tell a lot of my clients, like it's similar to a a boardroom, right? You are your own leader. And then at your table, you have all different kinds of people, (laughs) all little aspects that make up who you are. So you have the judge, you have the perfectionist, you have the inner child, you have the teen self, you have the part that gets sad or lonely, you have the part that feels joy and feels confident. We have all these different little parts. And, And so when we can notice when those parts are surfacing, whether it's through our thought form or we notice it through our emotions, sometimes we notice we feel a certain way and then we can trace it back to thoughts. Or sometimes we're aware of our thoughts and we can trace and see how it's making us feel. But being able to have dialogue with those parts of ourselves, sometimes those parts are just old conditioning. And so really updating them and having a new way of of relating to them gives us that freedom and that awareness. And then other times they need to be released and cleared, right? Through like breath or through some energetic clearing or cord cutting. So having those those inner emotional awarenesses. And then also too, I would say the tools of spiritual level of consciousness are very important. So, you know, spiritual practices that allow you to connect to the universal self within you, the universal self with people outside of you. And for some people, that's, that is meditation. For some people, that's yoga. For some people, that is soul gazing. I don't know if you've ever done that. Either soul gazing with yourself or with other people is really setting a timer and looking into somebody's eyes. For- we did that at Revitalize, actually. It was really just such a different experience I had never done before, but amazing. It's very powerful. And so sometimes I will give that as like a homework assignment to clients to do soul gazing with themselves in the mirror 
sometimes to do naked soul gazing, to like really come into communion with who you are, with your eyes, with your body. And then I would say physical level of consciousness, it's really important to eat well for your body, for how your body needs to receive nourishment and to move your body so that your body is clearing toxins and it's connecting to its own energy. What else physically? Dance. I would say dance is a really important thing that I use with women so that they can reconnect into their feminine divine. And then I would also say an overarching is definitely mood mastery. So teaching men too, some men are curious about it, how they can work with the moon because they can, we all can. <laughs> um, and especially women, right? Especially like high achieving, driven, maybe very analytical or it's not as comfortable to feel or to stay still. Moon mastery really helps women connect into their own rhythms, right? These innate and very ancient rhythms of each week has its own particular guidance and its own particular energy that and sometimes our menstrual cycle syncs up with it and sometimes it doesn't so just learning how to work also with our, our menstrual cycle if somebody is bleeding to optimize that energy versus have it be something that takes them down or that they don't like those, those I would say, are some really powerful tools. Some other tools that I've just found recently that I love are nonlinear movement. I don't know if you've heard about that. No. Hale Bohm, very powerful work. It's another modality of being able to release trauma from the body just simply by doing nonlinear movement. She has some trainings and classes that you can join, but I find that's really supportive also for women that tend to be in their head, tight, tense. Maybe there's a trauma underneath of it. It's not like a mental or an emotional processing of trauma, but it just, you learn where are you holding certain things in your body and how does that want to be expressed through your movement? That's a really powerful tool. So as you talk about the mood mastery, that brings me up to my next question that I know as you work with clients one-on-one, -on -one, but also have some great programs with your moon mastery and then your activation training that's going to be in November. So it'd be great if you could talk a little bit about those two programs that for people, I believe who aren't, and you're based in LA, we never talked about that, but for people who aren't in LA and want to be able to learn from you and heal with you. Yes. So the moon mastery is a, it's definitely something that has been wanting to come through for a while. So it's going to have self-led meditation and breath work and journaling and rituals and also two calls each month, group calls where women can come in and ask questions and get support or receive coaching or guidance, um, a deeper dive to what might be coming up for them as they're doing these rituals but really learning how to not only master that energy of the moon for business, for finances, for relationships, for health, but also for your own movement and connection to yourself, to your body, to these natural rhythms that move through us. That once we learn how to use them, there's a lot of power, a lot of power. And it's different than the traditional power, I think that especially my age range, I would say, was raised with all this, you can do anything, you can push through. 
And that is true and it is wonderful. However, learning the specific times that you're supposed to be really using that energy and other times when you're not really amplifies energy. It means there's a lot more efficiency with energy and flow in life. So you're not pushing so hard to make things happen. That's going to be in October. And then the activation training is going to be in November. That's something also that has been brewing and wanted to brew for a very long time. And I'm very excited about it. It's going to be a combination of a lot of what I was doing in the RISE group coaching, but really teaching um, individuals how to do that for themselves and how to do that for others. So learning all those processes and then also to learning how to work with energy and how to work with breath work and how to get trained in doing that for themselves and for, for others. So it's amazing. So spreading more of what you're doing to more people is definitely what we all need. Yes, because like you said, in the beginning of your North Node of Purely Elizabeth, it's, and mine is definitely what we touched upon. It's to help others be able to help themselves, really. And I think that's something that I saw a lot through the pandemic was just how many people were struggling and just feeling so... Like I wished that I hadn't been a single mother homeschooling two small children because I, I and I was the busiest I think I really have ever been. And I just want to be able to help more people so that they can learn these tools because there are really powerful, simple tools of how to be your own guide, how to be your own coach, how to be your own healer. And then when you have that energy and that trust in yourself to guide yourself and to, to tap into those answers and that wisdom, and then being able to radiate that out to other people truly feels like something we're here to learn right now. Well, I think what you're doing is amazing and being able to have access to you, not for those who are just in LA, but around the country, you know, I think to what you're saying about being COVID, like there's so many people who've just struggled. They don't know where to turn or something like therapy seems really overwhelming where to me, this is such a better approach and way to start and a way to really heal you and feel in your best self. Yes. Yes. I'm excited because like I do sometimes the, you know, 90 minute breathwork sessions with clients. And like I did one recently with some, with a woman, an actress, and she was just, this is amazing. Like I was sharing some of these tools with her, like, let's practice it, you and I, and then you'll have an understanding of how to practice it with yourself. I have some workshops that are for sale on my website and they have workbooks so you can learn how to take yourself through these processes. And then we did breath work afterwards and really went into like, where is that energy? Like, when did that first come in? Let's clear that out. So that space is open. You call yourself back into that space. Your heart opens. And at the end of it, she's, this was like beyond. It, it was so powerful for her. She's like, I've been in therapy and I love, I do love therapy. I'm not saying anything about therapy. <laughs> you know, I've used therapy at different times of my life when it yeah. really Necessary. And at the same time, I feel like it's so empowering for somebody to have tools so they can process certain things with themselves. And then they know I need additional support with this. And this is the type of support that I need. 
that to me is so empowering when someone goes into then therapy of like, I've worked on all this. This is where I've been able to take myself. And then this is this additional space that I'm being held for me. Or Absolutely. So yeah, being able to be sovereign, being able to be, be your own healer feels like a really empowering place. Because I think what last year taught us is that we don't always know what's going to happen. Really. Absolutely. Tools to be able to take care of ourselves. So important. And to me, to trust our own intuition and make our own decisions and, and not as listen to the noise as much. And I think what you just said of healing yourself, we all have that healer within us. And so it's finding that and being able to tap into it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So last question before we move on to some rapid fire. I'm so curious hearing all the things that you know and do, how you start your day or what your morning routine looks like. I typically wake up around five, between five and five thirty. And because I'm a single mama and I have two two small kids, I personally would love to go out for a run at that time. But I I usually first do meditation and um, some form of breath work, and then I usually go outside and I earth and I look at the sun rising. I I take in that sunlight. I take in that energy. Uh, really feels so grounding to connect to the earth. And then I will typically do some type of journaling. At that point, my kids might be awake, but it's always, you never know what's going to happen with kids. But they, I think that they've learned at this point that mom needs to meditate. They're allowed to come in and snuggle with me while meditating, as long as they're still. (laughs) And then I I do some form of journaling. I have a three minute kind of process that I do. I have a free download on my website. That's three things that you're grateful for. Three things you appreciate yourself for. Three things that you forgive yourself for. Because I feel like those like are really powerful because I think everybody's gotten into this gratitude practice, but what do you really appreciate yourself for? Because there's so much focus on what we're not doing or what needs to be improved, or especially if people have that critic or that perfectionist inside or the judge to really start acknowledging what you are doing and what you're proud of yourself for and what you acknowledge yourself for. That is so connected to our health. And, you know, I'm sure as you know, and then the forgiveness is really important too. What do I forgive myself for buying into or misunderstanding or just judging myself or judging another person and letting that go and three intentions for the day? I find that to be my, one of my favorite journaling practices. And then I'll usually, I do lemon water, warm lemon water. I usually will do mud water. What's mud water? Mud water is, it's a combination of cacao and different mushrooms. Okay. I never heard of it called that. And I do, you know, my supplements. And then I'll usually, if I have to pick up kids or drop kids off. So I definitely get in some type of exercise or some type of movement. So if I'm in that stage of my cycle right before and right when I'm getting my cycle, I do something lighter like Qigong or the nonlinear movement or yoga or just a light walk. And if I'm in the other stages of my cycle, I usually try to sync up my exercise to like where I am in my menstrual cycle and then get showered, get ready and start into the day. (laughs) 
<laughs> I would say that's my typical routine. I do really well with that, right? Because in human design, there's little parts in your human design where you can also see what's ideal for your food and your digestion and also what's ideal for your routines. Some people do really well with routines and some people do not. And I would say that's been a huge gift for human design. Even if I don't go into anything else with somebody's design, I can typically tell if those people have that particular part of their design where they do not do well with routines because all the health and wellness tell us like you have to have a routine. And so what happens for those people is they start shaming themselves and feeling bad about themselves that they can't keep a routine and that they don't do a routine. And then that feeds the whole cycle. So sometimes when they see that and they have the permission to not have a a routine, even though routine works for me, it might not work for somebody else, one of my clients. Oh my gosh, the freedom that (laughs) individuals feel. And then it actually allows them to pay attention. They have more of an intuitive and like a receptive way of doing life. So some days they're allowed to then do yoga and other days they might not do anything for a couple of days. Some days they might feel really drawn to earthing or to journaling. But it's so wonderful to watch those individuals not judge themselves anymore for not having a routine. Well, we're definitely going to have you come and do the human design in our office. I'm so curious now. Powerful. All right. So we're going to end it with some uh, rapid fire Q&A. Okay. So the best life advice that you've received. You know, my parents and my grandparents used to live this way when we would go out to restaurants and it would come to kind time to tipping, even if we didn't have the service that they felt like they wanted to have, they would always say, you never know what somebody is going through. You never know. So just always tip 20%. And, you know, that really has always stood out for me. And I think it expanded into other things, right? Like people at the store, we saw a lot of stuff through the pandemic, how people were reacting or behaving. It's just, you never know what somebody is going through. So just try to see them through that lens doesn't mean that you can allow people to treat you in a toxic way, but just to have compassion because I think everybody is working with their own stuff to have compassion. Three random things that you're currently loving could be podcast, product, book. Wow. I would definitely say my financial coach that I've been working with this year, I love her podcast. It's called The Spiritual Investor. Uh, show, uh, I, I have been watching the Sex in the City <laughs> episodes. I just started rewatching this past week too. That's so funny. Yes. I, ne- I don't think I've ever watched the whole thing all the way through. And I really, I don't watch that much. We don't have a TV. So I just usually like one or two nights a week, I have my TV night. So I'll watch like an episode, which has been fun. And then product. Oh gosh, I'm so, I'm actually kind of terrible. I'm really not a product person. Let's see. It doesn't have to be a product. It could be a book, any random thing that you're currently loving. I'm studying with the four winds, which is like a shamanic teaching. So I would say that for sure. 
What do you want more of in your life? To help people. <laughs> there it is. There's that mode of that human design motivation. <laughs> thing popped up. I'm like, no, it should be time with my kids. It's like, I really, really want to support people that are struggling because I feel like a lot of people are struggling. What do you want less of in your life? Gosh, it's a hard question. Tantrums. (laughs) (laughs) I know know that's not going to happen. So I'm just an acceptance of it. It's good to be at peace. Right? A meal that you'll never forget. Probably like one of my mom's meals that she would make when I was a little girl. What did she make? She would would actually make homemade pizza. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Delicious. I'm gluten-free now, so I don't know if I'd be able to eat it, but it would just Mm -hmm. be so fun to watch her and to smell it. It was amazing. What's your number one non-negotiable to thrive on your wellness journey? Probably nature. Nature. Wonderful. Gwen, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And just to close out, where can everybody find you? I can be found on my website is gwendittmar.com and my Instagram is the same at gwendittmar. Those are the two best places. Perfect. Thanks so much for spending the time on the podcast. Yes. Thank you. Or they could listen to my podcast. I just realized. (laughs) It's called The Beautiful Grit. If anyone's curious to see how I work with clients, I do live coaching sessions on my podcast. Perfect. We will tune in. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining me on Live Purely with Elizabeth. I hope you feel inspired to thrive on your wellness journey. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to rate, subscribe, and review. You can follow us on Instagram at purely underscore Elizabeth to catch up on all the latest. See you next Wednesday on the podcast.